0: You're listening to the ANA Podcast Network, powered by Odyssey, a leading multi-platform audio content and entertainment company. Listen on the Odyssey app.
1: Hello and welcome to the Marketing Futures Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Burbridge we're back with another episode in our masters of brand master series recorded on site at the 2023 a brand masters conference in bonita springs florida today we're discussing a topic that might be a little difficult for some of our listeners out there i'm talking of course about the cancellation of the beloved Chaco taco in 2022 Sparked by a cadre of distressed ice cream truck drivers, in a matter of days, parent company Klondike had a full-fledged corporate crisis on their hands. Thankfully, due to quick thinking and help from agency partner Edelman, they were able to turn tragedy into triumph, with an activation that showcased the Klondike brand and allowed them to take back the narrative. Leslie Miller of Unilever and smith a of Edelman joined us to tell the story. Hope you brought your sweet tooth. All right, everyone. We are here in sunny Florida, Bonita Springs, at the A Brand Masters Conference. And I have the pleasure of interviewing a dynamic duo today. We've got Leslie Miller, Vice President of Marketing in Nutrition and Ice Cream at Unilever, and Smith Aretti, US brand chair and global client lead at Edelman. How are you today? Uh, how are you doing today? Great. Thank you so much for being guests. I really appreciate this. I, that makes three of us. We're going. We are throwing down from the get go. Yeah, I love this. All right. Before things get too crazy, let's do a little level setting with our listenership. Could you please both tell us a little bit about yourself and how your journeys led you to Unilever and Edelman,
2: respectively? You go first, Leslie.
0: All right. Well, back in the day. I was born in Wisconsin on a farm. No, I wasn't born on a farm, but yeah, I am very proud of my heritage. So I did grow up in Wisconsin. I'm a huge Green Bay Packer fan, and I always loved ice cream. So I ended up at Unilever working on ice cream. There were a couple small moments along the way where I wanted to cure cancer. Realized it wasn't great at science, so decided marketing was a better route. But I did, I did take my run at working at the American Cancer Society, and That's then amazing. showed up at Unilever in 2007 as the well, one of the first associate brand managers on Klondike. So my life is really coming full circle because I get to talk to you today about the Chaco Taco. And, you know, 16 years later, I still seem to be working on Klondike. So <laughs> that was where I started at Unilever. And, I mean, Smitha will introduce herself, of course, but we got to work together on and off in, in the last, you know, 15 years. I took a couple of minor detours from ice cream, went to work on Axe where I met Smitha. I went to work on Dove. I worked on a skincare brand. But I do love the taste of sweet delicious cream and sugar so here I am to taco about ice.
1: <laughs> I love it. I feel like it is just written in the stars and your journey's always going to lead you back here and I, I, there are worse things to keep coming back to that's, that's true.
2: Smitha, what's up? Let us know all about you Well apparently all roads lead back to Wisconsin <laughs> yeah. so, so that is actually the truth. So I actually grew up in Florida but I went to the University of Wisconsin Ooh. Madison. And Leslie and I, we've actually done some timeline stuff. We both were in a young marketing club for for, called DECA uh, in high school. And we think we might have even competed against Against each each other in the late 90s. This is like, we've all pieced this together through working with each other over the past 15 years. So our love of marketing and brands started very young. It started in like... High school. Our high school, high school years. Um, I mean, I don't know if it's like the cool thing to talk about being in DACA, but we were. Yeah, we were doing our best, and cl- I mean, I think we've done okay with our yeah. lives. So maybe yeah. it, it.
0: I would say it, so. I joke that like in that club, whatever I think club organization. I learned how to do public speaking when I was yeah. 15 years old, which I think is a life skill that we both needed so much in our careers. So let's get we'll give kudos to Decca. <laughs> we'll yeah, c- so Deca. everything goes
2: back to Deca in Wisconsin. Um, Wisconsin. So I went to Wisconsin, and then I actually wanted to work in entertainment, so I interned at Comedy Central, yeah. uh, and then I ended up moving over to the PR side and into working at a few different agencies. But I've been at Edelman now for 14 years, Very nice. uh, and I have worked on Unilever for a lot of that time. I lead that business. school. Globally, Um, and I also look after our brand practice in the US. And now I'm stepping into a new role across our global food and beverage portfolio. So I'm a big lover of brands, brands with purpose. Um, We do a lot of work on Dove, on Vaseline, uh, and ice cream is just like pure joy to work on. A lot of fun, a lot of fast paced moving work. And we're heading into our busy season with summer coming around the corner. Yes, so. indeed. I have to tell everyone,
0: including Mike's audience. Oh, my. When we worked together our first time on Axe, we worked on a campaign called Clean Your Balls. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it has to be said. <laughs> to to be said. Working on that brand. It has to be and said. Nice. And yeah.
0: my father thought I still worked on ice cream, because I would worked on ice cream for a couple years and went to Axe, and I remember I remember my dad's like, oh, what are you up to these days? I said, oh, you know, I'm cleaning balls, and um, he's like, how does that work with ice cream? And I said, you know, just don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, we're good, we're good, but it was, it, Next I think, it, them you know, I've always been lucky to have amazing women in my sphere, and I think we were both, at stages of our career, it was awesome to meet other inspiring women that were going to do great things, and we got to clean balls while we did it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: Um, this, yeah, I'm, I'm there's a like, lot to
2: unpack there. There's
1: a lot to yeah. unpack there. Yeah. I'm going to just kind of leave that like yeah. breathe for a sec.
2: Right. All
1: right, great. <laughs> um, but I was like, halfway through that, I was going to pivot this entire episode to just being about serendipity. Cause that was just crazy to kind of that timeline check. So you just, and I mean, just stepped off stage. Uh, I have to imagine you, you had to pause for a couple of standing ovations collect the roses that were thrown up onto the stage, and then you made your way right here to the podcast. And what you were talking to everybody here at the A&A Brand Masters Conference about, you're, you're telling quite the unique tale of a crisis communication gone right around the beloved Chaco Taco product. Could you explain to our listeners what the heck I'm talking
0: about? Well, I hope you've about five hours, Mike, because it's... It, no, I'm kidding. We just did that in about 25 yeah. minutes, so... I mean, I can kick off, I think... Chaco Taco, Klondike. By the way, Klondike's a 100-year-old brand last year, so heritage. That's crazy. What would you do for a Klondike bar, iconic 1980s campaign that propelled Klondike to really be a cultural phenomenon even back in the 80s? So here we are, 2022 summer Life is a bit crazy. We often, you know, talked to the last couple days and, of course, last summer of, like, why exactly did taco become such a global sensation? I say global. It felt global. It probably hit the masses. And, you know, I'll start with telling you, Mike, how it started. So... We, as a marketing team, every summer, start to think about the following year's discontinuations. We like to let our customers know. Mm-hmm. And the Chaco Taco is an item that not only you can find at a grocery store, but you could find it on an ice cream truck. Because one of our amazing kind of legacy parts of the Unilever business is we were the original ice cream truck with the Good Humor Man. Oh my God, so you could a find a delicious, Mike, where'd you grow up?
1: I grew up in Scranton, Pennsylvania. OK,
0: so you probably had ice cream trucks. We definitely
1: had you ice totally cream You
0: totally did. So, oh, you know, yeah. okay, I'm see,
2: we're going serendipity right with now. Mike
0: because yeah. he's part of this story. <laughs> so those ice cream trucks were huge, huge, you know, convertors of the Choco Taco. So we put it out to the ice cream truck drivers. Hey, 2023, it's going to go. Well, some of the drivers were a little bit uh, concerned with that and decided to go to Facebook and announce to the world that, indeed, the Chaco Taco was on its way out in 2023. And they encouraged their fans, any fan, to write to us and call to us. And that was the fire, the spark that blew up the Internet. And I'll let Smitha maybe take it from there.
2: Yeah, and I think what proceeded afterwards was truly like a cultural phenomenon, right? Like we were, we were on every single late night talk show. We were in Google search, RIP, Chaco Taco. Um, we were landing in culture, but sometimes not in a good way, right? Mm-hmm. Like we, consumers were outpouring their hatred for Klondike their sadness, they're upset, they went through all the stages of grief. And you know, we had 41 yeah. billion impressions, which was kind of kind of outstanding to look at, but only 7% of it was positive. Man. So yeah. we had to climb ourselves out of this massive negative sentiment for the Kondike brand, a product that no longer exists, and, and that was really the brief when we think about how we mobilize quickly. And and I talk a lot about speed because, you know, as a, a person who's, you know, spent my entire career in marketing communications and crisis work, you have to move quickly. And this was this was an understatement of how, how fast we moved in terms of just, you know, speed, agility, and how we got to a solution to build back to brand love. And
0: I think as a brand person, like I said, you know, it, it takes a village to not only raise a child, as I learned when I had a child two years ago, but also to build these brands. And I am one of many people that worked on this incredible team. But as a brand person, and again, I have a very passionate love for Klondike, as it was my first job at Unilever, it really sucks when you see on a Wall Street Journal article that indicates that this is a PR stunt and that you don't actually have intentions to discontinue and it's all marketing and you know I personally take my job very seriously I mean I mm-hmm. sell happiness for a living that's a pretty serious but cool job. So it was really hard emotionally to be the brand team to say you know this is yes exciting that this has commanded so much love but as we started to watch you know article after article celebrities tweeting at us, very negatively, it started to really take a toll. And I think thankfully we have great, amazing agency partners to help us create the right narrative and to pull us out of it. But I was also experiencing a milestone birthday the exact day that that article went down. I was trying to party on a boat.
1: Oh, that's... For the record,
0: I don't do birthdays and I definitely don't really do boats. But I was... Thanks, Wall Street (laughs) Journal.
1: That's not happening. I know. I was like,
0: really? Is this the day this is happening? But... I will never forget my birthday for many reasons, but we truly said, okay, we can do something about this and we can get out of this. And I think it was really, Mike, we're talking days. Like July 21st was the ice cream truck tweet. By July 27th, my milestone birthday, we were in a kind of real crisis management. Like how do we own this narrative? We can can turn this, but right now 7% positive is not something we find acceptable.
1: The Certified ANA Marketing Professional, or CAMP, program is a rigorous 35-hour online certification program developed specifically with the ANA marketer in mind. Covering the entire marketing process, from brand strategy and activation to marketing implementation across digital and analytic platforms, CAMP represents the full spectrum of the marketing universe. To begin your certification, go to ANA.net slash CAMP future. There's one thing about customers not kind of getting how discontinuations work and that you're just not being like, who can, whose day can I ruin today? Mm -hmm. But like for people, for actual publications to come out and suggest kind of baselessly that this was all a a plot, that feels even more, there's one thing to kind of explain big business to like your super fans, but to then for people who know, credible sources, know better uh, to say that that's, that's rough and kudos to you for turning it around in such a crazy quick time because when things are going bad and there are things like you want to caution, you want caution and caution and speed are very hard to balance. So just kudos for getting through all of that. What were those first kind of war room conversations focused on?
2: Yeah, I think it was really about like taking back the narrative, mm. right? And, and the brief was really around how do we make sure that Klondike... Come, come out as the hero in this, or or, or, or take it back. Not even hero, but just yeah. take back the narrative because the Choco Taco was going away. That it was, was that was fact. It was done, right? So, so the love that, that we wanted to make sure that Klondike came back and can own the story, and so we quickly partnered with Leslie and the Unilever team, with the agency partners like Via and Mindshare and U Studio, and we were like, okay. Let's just come up with some ideas and concepts. And we were and I think we were really closely aligned of like even putting timelines on ourselves, being like, you know, even waiting overnight is gonna be too long. (laughs) Like we need ideas. You might be briefing us in the morning, we're gonna come back to you by noon, we're gonna come back to you again at four o'clock. Like that's how quickly our teams were working. And we landed on this narrative and, and concept of like, okay, the brand has always been about what would you do for a Klondike bar. We're going to flip that and say, what should we do with the 912 Taco Tacos? Which it really was 912 tacos. And I think
0: we get asked a lot of questions like, come on, guys. Like, it was really probably like 9,000. No, Mike, it was not. When this fire took off, there was not a taco to be found in the American landscape, including, I mean, I work on this business, and I could not find tacos. So we truly were sending our staff to, like, the last case at the factory, you know, if we had one left in the R&D facility from a PR event. I mean, it was, like, anybody, anybody? That's how significant the momentum was, and the sales were on the product. So the 912 tacos was legitimately about as many as we could find left.
2: Yeah, and it was at the time when people were like selling their choco tacos on eBay for like hundreds of dollars. So we <laughs> oh wanted to make God. sure that we gave the fans free choco tacos. So we we flipped the narrative. And we asked for ideas. We, we, you know, there's a really funny post where we mocked up the Choco Taco at a press conference, you know, basically clearing up any misinformation and disinformation that this was a PR stunt. This was not a PR stunt. We are going away. But what should we do? And we had hundreds of comments from fans, and the ideas were like made us laugh, made us cry. You know, like they were funny. So on the stop, you know, we had a few, but there's one in particular that really rose to the top, but one of them was, okay, 912 tacos, go to the 912 area code, which is Savannah, Georgia,
1: and hand them out
2: at a baseball game. And that's what we did. And we actually really intended to not make it promotional. We would drop hints about the drop that day on social. All of it happened on social, because according to our Edelman Trust Barometer, we need to build brands on social People who interact with brands positively on social are 71 times percent more likely to trust them. Alternatively, if you don't interact with people on social and you aren't a brand that's engaging with fans on social, you're not creating that emotional connection. So it's all happening on social. We also went to the middle of Death Valley and dropped some taco Chacos there because someone said to recreate the film Rat Race. Um, things the things were... It was incredible. amazing. Like it was, you know, we spent really so much time pouring through. And I think for every fan that's listening, if there are any super fans on the line, like we looked at everything. We looked at all the negative tweets. We looked at all the positive ones. I mean, every comment did not go unread. But then there was one fan that really rose to the top with their ideas. Went for it. With their idea.
0: And like Smith has said, there was some aggressively toned suggestions because Truthfully, this is a very passionate brand and a very passionate product. And we know, for better or worse, the Twitter sphere, the digital sphere means anyone is welcome to join the conversation. And so, one of our fans, if I air quoted fans, <laughs> suggested that we take the taco where the sun doesn't shine. And it, there were some other choiceful parts of that tweet I won't reference online. I'll just, you know, say, so I kind of in the same vein of cleaning your balls, we could be talking about some interesting things here. But we said, you know what? We're going to take that suggestion, and we are going to take a couple of the remaining tacos and physically take them to the darkest place in the continental US, which is in Washington, and place them where the sun doesn't often shine.
2: We actually took it literally to that fan, that super fan. And then we went to Washington. Bellevue,
0: Washington. Bellevue, Washington. And uh, we asked a bunch of Bellevue residents what they would do for a Choco Taco in the city where the sun does not often literally shine, which is so on brand. And again, I'm so proud of the team that worked on this and our team because those are the things that are truly in the voice of Klondike. And I spent many years really honing in on it's a brand that doesn't take itself seriously. You know, we're a square, foiled product with a stickless bar. We say stickless because it doesn't have a stick. Mm-hmm. It's delicious. It's it's basic. Not, like, basic bitch basic, but, like, basic. Yeah. It's and fundamental. it is just something that is good to eat in the summer and the winter. And so to see fans in Bellevue, Washington... In a dark day and even the video, it's a little bit cloudy. <laughs> it's, it's definitely it's, darker. It there. was very dark there. Yeah. To see them do what they would do for the last a couple of the last tacos was pretty cool.
1: That that is incredible. And it just felt like even as you were rolling it out, it felt indelible to the brand. How do you keep that element in there every day?
0: I mean, it's a great question. I mean I think you always train your brand, new members of the team, the agencies, you you just live and breathe the spirit of the brand. I think you have to believe it, and we have to make sure people understand that, because to do stunts like that, and I don't even want to say the word stunt, but it did look a little stunty, because it was not PR when we got to that moment, but to see people physically doing activities, that is exactly where the brand started. I mean, th- those campaigns in the 80s were in the root of fun and enjoyment and don't take life serious. So I think we live and breathe that DNA and that's how this business thrives.
1: I love it, I think that's amazing. So this next question is like a little unfair to you two because you're like... Thanks, Mike. <laughs> oh, I'm just saying, I, okay, the question is what is a key element to maintaining a great client-brand relationship and being cosmically co- connected throughout your entire life is kind of unfair. I don't think that's... A shared love for Wisconsin. Very, <laughs> there you go. There's so many things. Uh, I do. It's so funny. When you said the University of Wisconsin, I love Madison so much. It's one of my favorite cities in the entire United States. I, now, I just want to be part of this like... Uh, I'm you like, can well, join can our right little con- no. connection. That was a stunt. That was a-, <laughs> that
0: was a
2: stunt.
0: Fake news, Mike. No kidding. Um,
1: but beyond just the two of you having such a dynamic friendship and relationship, obviously Edelman is a trusted partner to come in this kind of dire circumstance. So what are the key elements to having just a fantastic brand an agency or, or service provider relationship?
0: I, I can start. I mean, I think it really goes back to two super basic things to me, which sound cliche, but they are not if you live them and breathe them, which is the ability to be transparent together. Mm. Because transparency is another overused word. We like to believe we do it, but when you actually have trust, and again, I'm referencing Edelman is the, the champions of trust. And we have other great agency partners where it's the same. When you believe you can have real, honest conversations, because the reality is we have different opinions. We come from different places. We hire great agencies because they have expertise that we don't. We also own the brand and understand the dynamics, the sales volumes, the customer profile. So when that information is shared and there is a true trust and authentic connection to be transparent, it works. But if you don't have that trust and that transparency and you're living in a world of either falsities, fakeness, I mean, I've certainly worked on on brands where, you know, it just, it wasn't as good as some of these moments because we have those relationships and it takes time. I mean, again, we've had the relationship for sure, but it also is worth investing in time because spending, you know, a night having dinner with an agency partner or taking a walk or doing a workout class, those are the moments where you get to know people as people and every barrier to me breaks down once you see partners as people and you can start to build that trust that then plays out so well when you're on campaigns like this.
2: Yeah, I mean there's I don't have much more to add there. I think it is true. Trust and transparency is like a big part of it and I think you know we've been working with Unilever for over 30 years, not me in particular, it's a legacy, right? And it's this has been the model for many years and to Leslie's point, yes, it's getting to know our partners and our clients on a personal level in good times but also, I think, in bad times. And I think this is a really great example of, like, your relationship is tested in these moments when we're monitoring social media and seeing all the coverage come in, and we're sending it over to Unilever and the ice cream team, and they're like, what do we do? You know, that's when the relationship is tested. And I think it's how we come out of those moments. And Leslie said something so right in the sense that we come at it from a point of view because we're seeing the industry and they're coming at it from a point of view as they know the business and the brand. And that's really like that sweet spot is where the magic happens. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, okay, so maybe we push too much here. But they're like, I like that you push, but this is why we can't do it. But here, let's meet here. And that's really like the sweet spot of a great partnership. And that pushing is super important on both sides. Like, Leslie and I had really challenging conversations where she's giving me feedback, and, I'm, and maybe there's others where I'm like, you know, I don't I think you're overthinking this, or right. you know, and like, we were actually just having one this morning about just, you know, other campaigns coming up, and it was like, those are the moments, right? Don't be afraid to push back on your clients. Right. And, and for the client side, you know, really create that space for trust and transparency. And I'll just build on that. We definitely have had to have tough conversations. And I've never, ever been
0: nervous or concerned that you wouldn't hear me because we always come at it from a place of respect as well, where, you know, this is a business challenge. We will solve it together. And I think it's a test to really being real and trusting people. And and we've always been able to do that. So I, I welcome anyone that's out listening to have those tough conversations, but always come at them from respect. And if you start with that, you should end up in a good place.
1: Literally no smoke. That was a brilliant from both of you. I really, because yeah, that knowledge of the business. It's not just the brand. It's not just this logo that can go anywhere and do anything in the world. It's kind of it needs to be like, you know, your your partners in the clouds, and you're bringing them back down to earth, and kind of that middle spot. But respect is so 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 important because that's how you have hard conversations without you starting to scar tissue and bad feelings and now this thing I don't want to be personal but can't help it being personal coming from a really respect and really focusing on what you're trying to do now I don't think if you didn't have that level of trust and respect you wouldn't have been able to do any of that in the time it took to do it yeah. you'd still be ideating you know Absolutely. what I mean So we're going to do a little pivot and ask uh, some questions that we ask all of our guests here. This first one is open-ended by design. What are your thoughts on diversity, equity, and inclusion?
2: That's That's a big one. It's a big one. I think it's obviously a topic that we're all talking about in the industry. And at times, actually, I feel like it might be overused, right, in the sense of we're hearing it too much and then people feel like it's a mandate and we have to do it and you know and i and i actually have like a larger fears of like are we going backwards in some ways but i think i think it's really more about different perspectives showing up and like what does diversity inclusion equity inclusion mean and, and why actually that has huge impact and benefits on our brands and building brands for the future if we're not speaking to consumers that represent America or represent the world, we are going to be missing a trick. So it's something that I'm very passionate about, but I'm also passionate that we talk about it from a business perspective too, because otherwise it feels like a nice thing to do and it is, it's a good thing to do, but it's also a smart thing to do. And so, you know, on a personal level, you know, I'm South Asian probably one of the few in the, certainly in the communications field, in the marketing industry, still probably in the minority and and smaller amount. And I think part of it's also just like the way we were brought up, you know, when I told my parents I wanted to work in entertainment and then eventually communications, they looked at me like I had seven heads, right? Like they were not sure how to navigate that. And I think I'm now seeing a shift, right? And I'm seeing more South Asians come into the industry, especially from a communication standpoint, certainly from a marketing standpoint. And we need more of that representation. But I think at the end of the day, it has to be about how we're design and building brands for growth. Yeah. Yeah. 1,000%. It's a hard act (laughs) to (laughs) follow. Yeah. So I'll take the angle and
0: one say, of course, I agree. And I'm proud to work at Unilever where we have very powerful commitments in this space, not only from the complexion of our employees to how we talk to our consumers, and we have leaders that look and and project that commitment. Personally, for me, as a, a white woman from Wisconsin with German and Polish descent, my experience has been about being a first-generation college student, um, you know, in a family that didn't go to college, and being a woman in business that you know has a parent and trying to set the bar for other women because I think we're in an era, and I talked a little bit about it on stage, but we're in an era of of really disregard for mental health. I think mental health has been elevated as a topic, but I think about all the stats that we've heard and talked about as women in business post-pandemic and how important women are to the workforce, what they do to empathy scores, what they do to relationships, and yet they're leaving in millions and millions. And again, I'm living it. I I just actually said to my boss last week, there isn't often a day that goes by that I don't think about quitting my job, not because I don't believe in our work and do great things, but because the pressures of delivering intense results on big brands while being a wife and a parent and a sibling and a friend and a daughter and a boss, a manager, a leader, a consultant, you name it. I mean, HR consultant, supply chain specialist, you know, these jobs are intense our lives are intense we are living in a world that is terrifying and so for me i show up every day because i want to show other women that you can still do it we certainly can't have it all and we should never think we do but i try to be a boss and a leader that supports an environment where mental health always comes first it is okay to not be okay i use every moment i can to tell that story and number 2 that We need to keep women in the workforce, and we have to find ways to redefine what work looks like and what flexibility looks like. So, for those listeners out there, you know, if you have females on your team, whether they are mothers or not, that is not the point. When you have anyone on your team, just maybe ask how people are doing a little bit more these days, and pay pay attention and take note, because to me, that is a part of, of diversity inclusion that truly will take height in the coming years. And if we don't pay attention, we're gonna have a very different workforce in a couple of years and, and probably not one that we wanna see.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, what, what can I possibly say after those two answers? Um, and yeah, and if, if you're an employer, a, a boss, brand marketer, if you don't think you have people on your team right now who might be doing great work, who might be passionate about the work they're in, but are struggling for whatever reason, for whatever valid reason they're struggling, if you don't think there's somebody on your team Like that, I implore you to rethink. Right. Just really, really well They're everywhere. Yeah. I'm like half holding back from turning this into a personal therapy session. So, (laughs) before I do that, let's get to the hard questions. (laughs) So now, this is, now, I I say that sometimes and I end up shooting myself in the foot because Somebody's like, oh, what's this by this? I'm like, well, good for you. (laughs) So I'm just going to put this out there. Smitha. Yeah. What is your favorite album of all time, and why?
2: I can't even believe you're giving me this question. This is a tough one. I know. We're here. I for have mine. If you want me to go first, you go first. Right. I mean, because I, I, there's a, there's something that I'm listening to on rotation now, but all time is really tough. Okay, yeah. I have go. three because I can't ever just
0: have one answer. So in my childhood definitely the Dirty Dancing soundtrack oh yeah was like I wanted to be a dancer and I'm also the most uncoordinated person of all time so I was literally living that vibe and I just I'm still today I hear those songs and I just can't turn them off. So that was kind of my childhood. I also had like a Janet Jackson Rhythm Nation phase. But I grew up on a farm, so country music is where my heart is. And my favorite singer of all time is a guy named Eric Church. And mm. he has an album called Chief. I mean, I love all of his albums, but if you really had to have me pick, it'd probably be Eric Church Chief. But There's some George Strait in there from like Texas because my mom would always go there. And so she made us always listen to George and now we just listen to it because we like it. Mm -hmm. So mine
2: is Dirty Dancing, Eric Church and a little nod to George Strait.
1: Love that. Love that.
2: You did great. I I still like don't even know if I could ever answer that question. I think a combination of would be Michael Jackson Thriller, Mm -hmm. um, a bit of Beyonce, but I am a massive and maybe it leads to your next question. I'm a massive Swifty. So like... Right oh, now, okay. yeah, like 1989 so is, is probably right midnight's right now. But 1989 probably would be up there in like my top five favorite albums of all time.
1: That is my favorite yeah. Taylor album, yeah. so I would be.
2: We cool. can talk a lot about Taylor if you want to. Yeah,
1: uh, love what she's doing right now and taking back every single song she's ever written. That it's is amazing. Like the most badass thing ever. All right, great. You just I'm gonna stop saying good answer. You can just assume. <laughs> you can just <laughs> nice. assume that you gave good answers. Let's bring it up to the uh, current day. We already have a little bit of a spoiler from you. What are you listening to now, whether it's an artist, a song, a podcast, a book? Maybe there's like a podcast or book on top and in in between Swifty breaks that you're taking. Um, What is exciting you today?
0: I have a super silly answer, which is I this is so on my team at work, we have this thing called hot take, which is sort of a slightly controversial statement Mm -hmm. like water has flavor or mozzarella cheese is the worst cheese. It kind of like, again, slightly controversial, you know, mine is often, I don't like dogs. I don't, I was attacked. I don't, I wouldn't hurt them. Don't love them. My, my hot take is I really don't like podcasts and I hate that because I'm on a podcast and I will say, Mike, I've come full circle and I've actually started listening to them because my husband works for Pandora Sirius XM. But for many, many years, I was a sports radio girl and I'm a huge Packer fan, Bucks, Brewers, you name it, Wisconsin sports. So, all my friends would be like, "Oh my god, you've got to listen to Ten Percent Happier. You've got to listen to XYZ podcast." And I'm like, "I've got Michael K and Don Lagreca on in New York radio, listening to Rangers highlights." And they're like, "Who are you? I thought you were from Wisconsin." I'm like, "I live in New York. It's fine." So, my answer is, I got I always love a little sports radio. I mm-hmm. actually have now come full circle and in podcasting. I'm listening to Office Ladies podcast. Welcome to the scratch, Scranton, o- Scranton Let's right? Go. So, yes, Office Ladies. And then music-wise, Eric Church is doing a tour this year, so I'm on, like, Eric Church repeat coming up in about two months. Love it. And, you know, in our careers, I feel like it's always good to be relevant. So I try to be on TikTok being like, what's up with the heirs tour? And, you know, you know is Adele and her resident. Like, I try to be kind of pop culture, even though it kind of isn't part of my DNA. Uh, um, so sports, office ladies, Eric Church, and a little nod to, like, a TikTok Taylor moment.
1: We, we love it. And I will say that... The podcast does suffer from never having somebody call in and say, ah, listen, uh,
2: first time call, yeah. a long time Joke listener. Joe from Long Island. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I that was bad. I'm going
1: to try and kick, I'm got to try and incorporate that. I don't know how that's going to happen.
2: <laughs> we are on the complete opposite. Well, not complete. I love podcasts. Love podcasts. I love TikTok. I think also I, I've convinced my husband that I'm on TikTok for work. Me too. So oh I'm yeah, like, oh, absolutely. I'm on TikTok for work, everybody. I'm on TikTok <laughs> it's <research>. for work. <laughs> research. It's research. Uh, but so 65 got to minutes later, later I've, got I've, been, to I've been turned off. <laughs> I've been shut down. that um, I have, well, first I should plug our Edelman podcast that I am also a co-host on, um, which is Edelman Trustmakers. We have amazing guests. Uh, From the brand marketing space, but academics, researchers, all grounded around like how you build trust, whether it doesn't matter what industry you're in. Uh, So that's always a fun one. I love Dax Shepard's podcast. I go on really long walks and long runs, and that's like one of my favorite. I think it's great storytelling. Um, And then I love the show Succession, and so then I also watch, like, listen to the Succession podcast. Like, I'm really deep on some of these things, so then I go the next level. Yeah. And then I, I, I talked about my love for Taylor Swift, but that's like, that's consistent. And it's also, my daughter and I are going to go see her in a few months, in a few weeks actually now. So it's a really great uh, opportunity to bond with my kids. So I'm really excited about that. But yeah, awesome. lover of podcasts. And now I will be picking up on the ANA podcast. We That'll be in my rotation for sure. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Um, so
1: before we let you back out into this warm Florida sun, uh, if people have just been like me, just need you guys to have a podcast now, uh, how can we keep up with your, your latest and greatest exploits for the two of you and for Edelman and Klondike slash Unilever?
0: I mean, Klondike has a fabulous handle across all social media. Unilever. I mean, our brands like Briars, Helmantz, you can always find us. We're all over We're exciting times. Personally, you can find me on Instagram. <laughs> LinkedIn's not my fave. I'm not great at keeping up with it because I'm too busy solving amazing crises with my PR partners and trying to make the next best mayonnaise. So
2: things are busy, but important
1: things here.
2: Yeah. I do love LinkedIn. This is like so interesting. We're learning so much about each other. Um, LinkedIn is like definitely where you'll find me. And also a lot of our Edelman content, we will have new trust research coming out soon. We're going to have a new brand trust report coming out for can time for can, Which is really exciting. Yes, you might find us there. Um, (laughs) And yeah, LinkedIn's probably, and then obviously the Edelman handle across all socials. So yeah, this is I will say. And listen to
0: Trustmakers. I was going to say, Trustmakers is amazing. We also have a bunch of new ice cream launching right now. Our new Talenti bars are coming out. If you like our beautiful Talenti clear jars, we have them coming to pops right now. So there's our Roman Raspberry Pop, we have a Dolce Pop. We have a new Klondike ice cream cones coming out. We always have, we have a mango from Breyers. Always fun innovation from our business. Uh, we could do a whole podcast of the day when I used to make ice cream flavors for a living, which oh. was why I started running half marathons. I'm gonna just make
1: a new show. Yeah, and it's just gonna be like figuring yeah. out how. Like- what
0: happens when you end up in a coma because you ate too many brownies at work? Hmm. <laughs> Unclear. I'll, we'll leave a cliffhanger for Mike yeah. and his next <laughs> podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness! But, but please, you know, the world is crazy. But Choco Taco, you never know. You might see it again. You might not. Not this year. But we really have to come full circle and say, you know, we learned so much. Last Last year but we're so excited that we have other ice cream brands coming out in products so come yeah. find all the klondike in your local grocery freezer
2: and i think we're actually this is that this is the break where they're there's handing some out ice cream so handed out outside, outside yeah, this so room we so we gotta, gotta go oh, we gotta okay, wrap so this up okay. wrap yeah. it up wrap
1: it up, <laughs> wrap it up. Uh, ladies and gentlemen thank you very much for being here on the marketing <laughs> Futures podcast thanks for listening to the marketing futures podcast We hope you enjoyed this episode and that you'll join us in two weeks when we welcome Northwell Health's Ramon Soto and Strawberry Frog's Scott Goodson to discuss the bold, innovative Raise Health campaign aimed at decreasing gun violence against children in America. It's a two-parter you're not going to want to miss. The Marketing Futures podcast airs Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. If you have a topic or a guest you'd like to hear on the podcast, shoot us a note at marketingfutures@ana.net. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, find what you need to future-proof your brand at ana.net slash futures.
0: This has been a presentation of the ANA Podcast Network, powered by Odyssey.